the flu, COVID, and RSV, what health leaders are doing to better protect us. And the Putnam Museum wants your children to use their minds and their fingers right now in the cities. It is the season for runny noses, fevers, and headaches, but this year, a particularly nasty respiratory illness is hitting our kids hard, just as the nation finds weakening COVID variants spreading all around, and the regular flu season is upon us right now. A healthy dose of precaution is needed by all of us, young and old, but what does that mean? We talked with the Community Health Care Executive Director Tom Bowman and CHC pediatrician Dr. Swetha Kandula about what we can expect right now and through the holidays. Let's start with the RSV. Um, is it uh, waning at all? Because we, we know that it peaked early and it really hit kids hard. Yes, so we did see a spike late summer, uh, late July to mid-August, and then we did not see much at all throughout the September and the first half of October. But since late fall, late October to early November, we saw a huge rise in the cases, significant increase in the hospital admissions, even uh, kids requiring higher uh, supportive care from the, uh, even needing ICU admissions. And I would say over the past week, it has started to slow down, but I wouldn't say it has waned yet. Well, and that's interesting that you would think that it's starting to slow down because people were worried because of the holidays that, that families are gathering more, that it may spread quicker and, and more widespread. And it, it typically does. All these viral infections, they are uh, easily transmissible, especially in indoor crowded spaces. So when people get together a lot during the holidays, we typically see an increase because otherwise all these kids going to schools and daycares, they would be just in their families versus when it's holiday mm -hmm. time, they get together and there's just more likely spread of infection. So holidays is always a time where we see an uptick in the cases. Is there anything that people should be doing? Because you can't stop the holidays. No, definitely. I mean, there are some simple measures that we can do our best to pr protect our kids. So especially if families have young infants, especially less than six months to a year old babies, then definitely be very, very uh, vigilant about uh, frequent hand washing, avoiding crowded spaces, and um, like, avoiding uh, going to people's houses when they have newborns or mm -hmm. you know young infants if they are sick with any respiratory symptoms or older people as well um, older because people it, as well definitely these viruses are really so tough on the people that yes. that are in uh, the greatest uh, uh, health yes. issues RSV hits hard the younger infants and the older population CHC has been busy, you know, since COVID, making sure that more people do get treatments. You're the safety net for the community. What have you seen since the pandemic, at least, has waned? Yeah, well, I mean, the pandemic has waned, but you have seen a lot of people that maybe uh, delayed care or, or did not seek out care during the pandemic, or maybe were only being seen via telehealth or using urgent cares, that type of thing. Uh, coming back into regular routine care. So our clinics have been uh, pretty busy across the board at all of our locations and um, our docs, you know, our waiting lists, we have some waiting lists here and there. So um, it's been a challenge uh, kind of going from the emergency phase of mm -hmm. during the pandemic uh, to trying to get back to what is our new normal and what, what works for our patients as far as access goes. So um, it's been a challenge, but patients are coming back to the offices. It has to be somewhat worrisome um, because people put off 
uh, medical procedures or medical attention. And, and as we all know, that, that worsens the situation. So the overall health of the people that you're seeing, does it seem to be that, that more has to be done quicker for more people now? Well, I, you know, Dr. Candela is a physician. Well, sure, absolutely. So um, we have definitely stressed the importance of regular health maintenance visits for all our younger uh, kids. And we have stressed to parents that they have to be done on time because we don't want them to get behind on their routine immunizations. And then we, do, we want to avoid an increase in those infections, of course. So we have always tried our best reaching out. We always remind families when do they have to come back for their next visit. And at the same time, in the clinics, we are making sure that we practice good hygiene measures to prevent spread within our offices so um, we have done and we have definitely seen an increase in the mental health issues as well and we have offered uh, increased access and we have always told families to please reach out to us whenever they need us and we my suggestion to the communities is to always reach out to your pediatrician if your child ever has any upper respiratory illness symptoms first before heading over to the emergency departments and then we don't want to overwhelm the hospital systems as well so if there are any concerns please reach out to your pediatrician first, first line of defense for you as well Definitely. what have you learned at CHC as far as pivoting changing I mean is, is there areas that you now have to add more concentration because we've been talking about behavioral and mental health you know we're talking about dental we're talking about a sure. bunch of different issues sure we've done a lot of different things you know um, we've created uh, an express care uh, access in our Moline clinic that helps us in a number of different ways helps with that acute access for people with respiratory that might be infectious to others we can kind of have them go to a, a specialized clinic where they're not going to be um, sitting in a waiting room with with well uh, patients who are there for checkups um, We've done more outreach where we've gone out to um, schools or we've gone out to service provider uh, partners um, when we're dealing, especially, you know, trying to do COVID work and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's been a transition. We use telehealth a lot. We used a lot of check-ins with our patients during the pandemic, especially our chronic disease patients, to make sure that they were staying up to date on their, you know, if you're a diabetic, making sure you're getting your A1C done, or if you have hypertension, monitoring that. So we've we've tried to leverage technology as well uh, to be able to to keep in touch with our patients. And now now's the time where we can start bringing them back into clinic for more routine. Uh, care and to uh, catch up with their doctor. Yeah, because to be honest, I mean, some people just don't want to see their doctor. And and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but COVID gave you an excuse not to do it. And so it's tough to get them back in the door? Uh, it's not tough, but it is um, getting back into the routine. Um, and so for us, we've really focused on uh, access and being very efficient in the clinics and making sure that we're building in time uh, for those patients that maybe have not been uh, to the doc uh, for a while. We've also added additional um, clinicians uh, to our group to, to build more capacity here in the Quad Cities and Muscatine and Clinton as well, um, just to try to add more um, access for everyone. Dr. Candula, the other thing, of course, is COVID. Once again, we're seeing another variant that seems to be spreading quickly. We talk about these variants, and I know people get tired of it and think COVID can't it be over? But this is typical of a virus to split into other mutations. Is it also the fact that it's, it spreads quicker, but it isn't as serious? I mean, is that typical that, that, that it, it's mutating, but it's, its deadly effectiveness is mutating down? So uh, last year during the winter, we saw the Delta variant, which was more virulent than the original uh, COVID variant when it began. But then since the Omicron started, Omicron variant is different that it has better capacity to spread and much faster 
and it's also been able to evade the protection provided by the vaccine in terms of spreading. But uh, Omicron variant has been res less virulent than the Delta variant. So it's easier to spread. It's spreading faster, but it's definitely not causing as severe of an illness compared to the Delta variant. And that is typical? That is typical because this virus has learned how to spread faster, so that is the predominant variant all across the world right now because it's just able to spread faster. So, And it is still mutating itself. It still wants to get better at spreading even faster. And that's what we are seeing with the newer sub-variants in the Omicron as well. So doesn't it get to be that you just got to live with it and it's just going to be another type of flu that we have or just another illness that will be out there? Our body is also changing as well to, to fight it off, uh, but that you'll need the booster, you'll need the shot, you'll need some kind of a vaccination. Definitely, yes. Uh, it is, uh, looking at how the past two years have been, it looks like it's staying, like how we have the flu and the RSV, and it has its own uh, sub-variants, and when they emerge, and when, then we see a spike in the cases, but definitely with the vaccination, and most of the people uh, who have had infection before have some level of immunity so that the disease is not as severe. Anything the argument of herd, uh, herd um, immunity, I was going to say mentality, yes. which is another thing <laughs> altogether. Do you also see that um, there was such a huge backlash towards vaccinations, perhaps because they were mandated in the way Americans act, you can't tell me what to do. Um, are you seeing some of that backlash about immunizations for children among everything? Um, is that waning a bit? Is, it, is the pendulum swinging back that parents are going, yeah, I got to get my children vaccinated, or are we still seeing a real resistance to that? So uh, whenever a vaccine is new, there is always a hesitance about whether it is safe or not. We haven't known this vaccine for a long time. So there was a lot of resistance in the beginning. But we are overcoming that, and I think we are headed in the right direction. People are more comfortable coming back to the offices now for their regular well visits, and they're getting all the immunizations on time. And we definitely have seen an improvement in the acceptance rate for even the COVID vaccination among children. So that's good news as far as that is concerned. Yes. Tom, let's talk a little bit about your staff. Because okay. uh, we had talked about that uh, uh, during COVID as well as towards uh, the very end of the pandemic. I know it's not over totally. Um, how is staffing right now? How difficult is it to find nurses and practitioners? You know, we've, uh, we've been incredibly lucky. We have a, a really engaged uh, workforce at CHC, but we definitely, like everybody else in, in the economy right now, are having some workforce challenges, especially in uh, areas like uh, medical assistants, dental assistants, hygienists, pharmacy techs. Um, we've done a really good job on, on retaining and, and recruiting physicians and nurse practitioners and dentists and, and uh, our professionals there, but um, many areas and pockets of the, of the support staff um, have been particularly difficult, although um, we fared uh, maybe better in, in some cases. But, um, there's a number of factors on that. There's, um, you know, people wanting that, that flexibility in work. So we've tried to introduce things like work from home if the position makes sense to do so, or um, being flexible with scheduling and, and looking at uh, ways that we can help, uh, you know, basically incentivize people to stay with us, whether it's loan assistance or, or uh, helping with retraining, those types of things. So we're taking a number of steps, but definitely workforce has been a big challenge and continues to be and will continue to be as as uh, 
as there's just a lot of macroeconomic factors. Um, yeah, absolutely. At play. Well, and, and do you find people, I mean, there's a certain amount of people that probably because of COVID, because of the pandemic, say, you know, we got through this. I saw the amazing work that doctors and nurses and other people in the medical field uh, did. I want to be a part of that. Um, do you see that, or, or do we just see a continuation of people not necessarily getting into the health field? <sighs> There, there aren't enough in certain spots, right? So uh, there aren't enough physicians, for instance, going into primary care at this point. Um, there's not enough hygienists uh, that are entering into hygiene school, and, and some of that is a lack of available uh, training opportunities or spots in, in hygiene schools, and, and then there's other factors, of course. So I think there's a combination. I think you do see some people that are trying to get into healthcare, um, and we're setting up internships and training programs uh, to help them in that endeavor, but. Um, it's kind of both both sides of that aisle. Yeah. And we've talked in the past also one area that uh, uh, ended up being a critical need, and that was behavioral health and mental health. Um, and 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 people really had to get through this pandemic, which which affected young and old and everybody in between in so many ways that I think there's going to be case studies on this for a long, long time. What have you done as far as a beefing up uh, behavioral health, mental health services uh, through CHC? Yeah, so we, we run kind of a primary care version of behavioral health, so we want to make sure that um, we have a therapist or a psych nurse practitioner um, that is embedded within our care team so that they're easily accessible to our physicians and, and um, nurse practitioners and others who are doing the primary medical part of it, and we can make those uh, warm handoffs and connections. We do a lot of screening for depression uh, to identify folks. We've added additional services for substance use disorder. Um, there's a lot of um, drug use and alcohol use um, that's becoming even more prevalent in our community, so we've added uh, services around those. Um, so our, our game plan is just to continue to add um, therapists and counselors so that they can be part of that care team so that when a patient is identified when they come into our clinics that they have resources um, and access to care. And Dr. Candula, you are a pediatrician. I mean, you can spot it in a child perhaps uh, quicker than, uh, obviously much quicker than I could. What, what should parents be looking for? I mean, is there still an impact of COVID among our kids today? I would say yes, and uh, especially during the pandemic when a lot of kids were doing remote learning from home and they were not getting to be around their friends and they were the routines were a lot different than what they were used to. A lot of sports wasn't being held during that pandemic, so it definitely has affected. We have seen increase in the rates of depression and a, a significant increase in eating disorders as well. Uh, that we had noticed. So we have improved screening at every visit that they come to the clinic for. We have also uh, tried to educate parents on what to look for, like behavioral changes, whether they appear more sad than their normal, whether they are preferring to be more isolated, not wanting to get out, and all those things. And uh, there was some fear also among children during the pandemic about the COVID itself because they hear about it from everybody and you know they don't know for their age whether how harmful can it be. So education has gone a long way uh, in addressing that and uh, definitely I would recommend parents to watch for any unusual changes in their behaviors or eating patterns or uh, them not enjoying their hobbies like they would they were used to then definitely reach out to your pediatrician. You're Early screening detection and therapy goes a long way rather than waiting too long. A absolutely and you're gonna get the last word and I want you to have your pitch. <laughs> uh, you, you really want people to get vaccinated, you really want booster shots, uh, it's the best defense? 
Yes, I highly encourage to get all the routine immunizations and it's very, very important to get them on time because there is a, there is a reason for the schedule being that way. You are susceptible to different infections at different age groups, so it's very important to get all your vaccines on time. And not just that, but in the winter, we are definitely going to see an increase in all sorts of respiratory illnesses. Uh, since uh, not just the RSV, but we have seen a tremendous increase in the influenza A infections as well. So we should do everything that we can to protect our kids from whatever we can. So I would highly encourage people to get the influenza vaccine as well, because even influenza, just like RSV, hits the younger population and the older population very hard. We definitely can avoid hospitalizations. Vaccinated kids tend to do way better than unvaccinated when they are hit with the flu. Community Healthcare Chief Executive Officer Tom Bowman and pediatrician Dr. Sweetha Kandula. Laura Adams joins us out and this about. This is out and about for January 20th through 26th. Join Beat the January Blues Trivia Night at Kasai on the 20th from 6 to 9. Or learn about the history of the Quad City Streetcar at the Hallberg Estate on the 22nd from 2 to 4. Mississippi River Distilling Company and Celebration Center present their free event, the LeClaire Eagle Festival, Eagles and Ice, on the 21st and 22nd from 1 to 4. Comedy Sports Quad Cities entertains at the Spotlight Studio each Friday and Saturday at 7, We Will Rock You, the musical featuring the songs of Queen, continues at Circa 21. Upcoming auditions include the Black Box Theater's auditions for the musical Rock of Ages, the 21st, from 12 to 3, while Playcrafters holds auditions for their play, Witness for the Prosecution, on the 21st and 22nd from 2 to 4 at the theater. Terrible Tuesday at the Raccoon Motel takes place the 24th, starting at 6. Quad City Visiting Artists series features Sky Consort and Emma Bjorling, who perform at the following locations. The Moline Public Library, the 24th at 6.30. St. Ambrose University, the 25th at 6. Wesley United Methodist Church in Bettendorf, the 26th at 2.30. And the Bettendorf Public Library, the 26th at 7. Old Dominion takes the stage, the 21st, at the Vibrant Arena at 7.30. And the Rust Belt presents Corporate Rock in their Winter Jam Concert Series, the 21st at 7.30. For more information, visit wqpt.org. Thank you, Laura. Here's the Bucktown Review. of the mighty Mississippi to the whole wide world. The Bucktown Review is on the air. Well, welcome, welcome, friends and neighbors, to the Bucktown Review, our little program celebrating life and music on the banks of the mighty Mississippi River. We have a wonderful little show for you tonight featuring a old-fashioned Leuven Brothers song about a guy who went walking down the path holding Satan's hand and then he reformed. One, two, three. A house not a home was a picture Satan painted 
Good night. 